0: Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. American needs individuals who not only recognize that righteousness exalts the nation, but approach the reproach to any people. Hello and welcome to of God, man, the show that's like an STD for the brain. <laughs> this is your host, Brom French. If you want to reach me, you can reach me at 210-854-8029, or you can reach me by email at the letter B, the letter F, the at sign, dot com. is B-F- at bromfrench.com. The book of Acts, chapter 3, we find an interesting paradigm, an interesting predicament that Peter and John have found themselves in. They find a man as they're going into the temple asking alms. And they say to him, Look on us, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. And they lift him up and he walks into the temple Walking, leaping, and praising God, he enters into the temple. Now, it is noised abroad, and the ruling authority have come together, and they are upset, they are frustrated, they are angry at Peter and John. And they ask the question first, they ask, how did this miracle happen? And the word is that Peter and John did it, and Peter and John said that it wasn't by them, but it was by the name of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, they went on further and said, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Now, these ruling authorities, this power that be, or the power that is, has told Peter and John to, in paraphrasing, shut up, and sit down. Speak no more in this name. Do not speak about Jesus. Do not talk about him. Do not bring to our mind that we crucified him. Do not remind us that he was slain by our hands. Do not tell us the need for repentance. Shut up and sit down. This has got to be one of the first cases of civil disobedience in Christianity. Because Peter and John asked a question and they said, whether it is right in the eyes of God to hearken unto man more than unto God, judge for yourself. But as for us, we cannot but heed the things which we have seen and heard. And so in other words, we will not shut up and we will not sit down. They were beaten, they were chastised, and then they were released. But when we get to chapter 5, we see that Peter and John were true to their word. They did not shut up. They did not sit down. They're still preaching Jesus. They're still talking about him everywhere they go. It's apparent because they are arrested yet again. And the authority says, Did not we tell you? Did not we say to shut up and sit down? But behold, all of Jerusalem is filled with your doctrine. You see, true Christianity will foster civil disobedience. Oh, I know, that's crazy. That's not things we like to talk about or think about because we have a mindset today that says whatever society says we must accept and we must go with And that was fine in the 50s. That was even halfway decent in the 80s. But today we're looking for another Peter and John who is willing to look at the civil authority and say whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. At the same time, they are telling us to shut up and sit down. Do not speak any longer in this name. Do not tell us that it was our choices that caused this Jesus to go to Calvary. Do not tell us that we need to repent and turn from our wicked ways. Do not move on us to seek the face of God. Shut up and sit down. Well, I, for one, will look to my heroes, to my personal heroes, and will say very clearly, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto men more than unto God, judge for yourself, I cannot but speak the things which I have seen and heard. And so I will continue to declare the need for repentance, the need for turning away from sin, and what Calvary did for you and I, and that it was our choices that put him there. Nonetheless, it was his mercy at Calvary that would deliver me from my sins and deliver you from your sins if we choose to act upon it. That's civil disobedience, Jesus style. (laughs) Civil disobedience that will say some things are still sin, some things are still wrong, some things are still immoral. It is still immoral to take money from the ones who earn it and give it to those who do not. It is still immoral to sleep around on your wife. It is still immoral to commit fornication. It is still immoral to steal from one and give to another. It is still immoral place upon man regulations that he cannot possibly see his way through. It is still immoral to expect the government to do things that we ourselves would be in trouble for. It is still immoral, but that's okay. We do have a God that's forgiving if we will repent. It's still immoral for a man to marry a man and a woman to marry a woman. It is still immoral. It is still wrong, regardless if we say it or not. Therefore, we might as well speak it. We might as well say it. Whether it be right in the sight of man, or whether it be right in the sight of God, to hearken unto God more than unto man, judge for yourself. We're going to continue to speak. I'm asking, would you join me? No, you may not have the same platform I have. Maybe you don't have a podcast. Maybe you don't have a radio in an internet radio show. But will you still speak? Will you speak on the job, even though it may cost you? Will you speak in your school? Will you speak in your church? Will you continue to raise your voice wherever and whenever the opportunity may arise? There's a lame man and there's a miracle that's going to happen, but he's not going to use just anybody to do the miracle He's looking for somebody that he will use that's willing to continue to speak regardless of fear or favor. Lord, let that be you and I. Hold on just a second. while I come back, we will move on. Hold on just a moment. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That extremism... In the defense of liberty is no vice. America needs individuals who not only recognize that righteousness exalts the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And we are back, and you are still listening to Of God and Man, you lucky, lucky people. (laughs) So, our Non-transvestite, NSA operative, continues to pump me with information. He sends me stuff all the time and uh, just continues to send things my way. Thank you so much, by the way. I will continue to use the info that you are sending me, the details. And so he sends me one a few days ago, and it has taken me a while to dissect it, to look into it, and to try to figure out what are my views on it. Where do I stand? What is the issue? I don't remember if it was from New York Times or one of the ilk. And this is what the story says. The FBI is about to introduce an interactive program it developed for teachers and students aimed at training them to prevent young people from being drawn into violent extremism. But Muslim, Arab, and other religious and civil rights leaders who were Invited to preview the program have raised strong objections, saying it focuses almost entirely on Islamic extremism, which they say has not been a factor in the epidemic of school shootings and attacks in the United States. Now, wait just a second. School shootings, I'll give you, they have not been an epidemic for school shootings for the most part as of yet. But you cannot tell me that it has not been an epidemic with attacks on American soil. That is bogus. That is just a bunch of malarkey. And you can go through and find stories all over the place where they're chasing somebody and cutting their heads off with axes. Fathers driving onto curbs to kill their children because they're not living holy enough. Because they're not wearing the right clothes. We can go on down the list. To say that they're not proper or or that the attacks are not happening is just absurd, ridiculous. However, let's get to the real crux of the issue. Let's get to the real issue at hand. They are doing a uh, study. They are trying to help teachers and students be aware of potential radicalization of other students. And so let's be prepared and let's stop before it gets to this and see if we can save these young people before they go down this bad course. And some teachers and some uh, civil leaders are throwing fits about this, and they are saying that the real issue is gun violence. The real issue is not, it's really not extreme Muslims or extreme terrorism or, excuse me, extreme Islam then again I'm just repeating myself with all of those phrases but the real issue is gun violence and if we can only stop gun violence then everything else will be okay and by focusing on extreme Islam then we are giving well we're making it harder for students who who uh, you know they they just want to bring a clock to school that they have quote unquote made You know, it it might be in a suitcase and it might look like a bomb. And, uh, well, that obviously was a false narrative. You go back and look further into the story and find out that it was not a clock he made, that he had a clock and took it apart and put it in the suitcase to make it look like a bomb. But, you know, that doesn't fit the narrative, and so we're going to ignore that part. And so, you know, when in the study, in the uh, radicalization theory to, you know, who are you going, who's, who is the real potential terrorist? Who is the real potential threat? Is it somebody with an Arabic name or is it somebody going to a political event? And obviously in, according to the, this story, the FBI says that it's the one going to not the political event, but the one with the Arab name. I got to be honest with you. I love this because what this is, it's profiling. And is profiling wrong? Absolutely not. Profiling is what will save us. Profiling is what has saved us in the past. You profile every day. When you go on your job, you profile. You see somebody approaching you with your child and you profile. Whether or not you like it. You discriminate against people. All of us do it. It's a part of our safety. It's a part of our nature. And so now the FBI is teaching students and teachers to profile. And these teachers are upset about it. And they say the real issue is gun violence. So if the real issue is gun violence, we can fix this problem entirely. How are you going to fix it entirely? Simple. You give the teachers guns. You allow them to carry in school. You allow the principal to carry. You allow them to carry concealed so that nobody knows. That's how you stop violence in schools. That's pretty simple. And when some punk wants to bring a bomb to school, there'll be a teacher there who will be able to handle the situation appropriately and timely and save the others. Just common sense. Simple Common sense and so I'm torn because you know here the FBI is teaching people to profile and I'm not a I'm not necessarily for You know, I I want less government, but for crying out loud We're gonna get upset about this and we're gonna complain about gun violence and make it sound like we need more laws and more rules against guns Why uh, why don't we see gun violence at more shooting or shooting events? Why don't we see them at gun shows? Where do we see the gun violence? At gun-free zones like schools, like churches that say that guns aren't welcome. We find them in places where the people advertise that they are unarmed. That's where we see it. So if you want to stop Muslim extremists, if you want to stop terrorists, if you want to stop radicalization, it's simple. Arm the populace again. And we can do the job a thousand times better than any government. And we can even do the job better than this case study and what the FBI is trying to teach our teachers and fellow students. We can do a better job if we simply arm the teachers. If we simply arm the populace again, we will find it so much easier to take care of these radicalization problems because when they shoot, they may have one victim, but they won't have three, they won't have 10, they won't have 30, and they will be dealt with. As a matter of fact, not only should we, oh, and I know we shouldn't profile, but when we shoot that extremist, what we should do is have our bullets dipped in the grease and the fat of a pig. Hold on just a second. When I come back, we'll go through the Bible in a trillion years. Talking a dead and job looking for an easy exit. You're soon to be ex employed requiring a letter of resignation a little R&R, Resignation Registration. With Resignation Registration, you can have a letter of resignation that is up to your specifications, whether it be two words like I quit or this is ten pages too long. R&R is your resignation resource. If you want out, call 1-800-143-7848. That's 1-800-1-I-D-Q-U-I-T. Again, one 800 one quit. Or find us on the web at www.takethisjobandshoveit.gov. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. American needs individuals who not only recognize. Them, the the nation, but to any people. And we are back, and we're about to go through the Bible in a trillion years. We are in Genesis, Genesis chapter 41. Isn't that crazy? Amazing, phenomenal, Genesis 41. We're going to pick up at verse number one, and we believe we're going to be able to get all the way down to verse number 14 which is just, uh, it will be remarkable if we can do it. Genesis chapter 41, verse number one. And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. And behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kine and fat-fleshed, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kine came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed, and stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and lean-fleshed kine did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kine. So Pharaoh awoke, and he slept and dreamed the second time. And behold, seven ears of corn came up upon one stalk and rank and good. And behold, seven thin ears and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt, and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants, and put me in a ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me... And the chief baker. And we dreamed a dream. in one night, I and he. We dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was there with us a young man. In Hebrew. A servant to the captain of the guard. And we told him. And he interpreted to us our dreams. To each man according to his dream he did interpret. It came to pass as he interpreted to us. So it was. Me he restored unto mine office. And him he hanged. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. Now let's back up and do a little quick review. Remember the baker and the butler have now uh, received their just reward according to their dreams. The baker has died. The butler is with the king or with Pharaoh. And then we pick up verse. 1 of chapter 41. And it came to pass the end of two full years. Now remember, Joseph told the butler that when you're with the king, don't forget about me. Remember me when you are back in your position. But two full years have transpired. And while Joseph is waiting for his dream to come to pass, the butler holds it in his hands, but the timing is not right two full years have transpired Pharaoh dreams and behold he stood by the river and behold there came up out of the river seven well favored kine or seven cows fat flesh so they are healthy cows and they fed in a meadow and so now his first dream is starting and what we are seeing is the beginning of Joseph coming into his calling coming into his purpose coming into his timing and how God will use Joseph to deliver Egypt how God will use Joseph to deliver the Hebrews, how God will use Joseph and totally change his world around. And so Pharaoh dreams and behold, he's standing by the river and there comes out of the river and seven favored kinds. So they are healthy, they are fat, they look good and they're feeding in the meadow. And then behold, seven other cows come out and they come out after the ones that are already out of the river. But these that come forth... Verse number three says that they are ill-favored and lean flesh. So they are sickly cows. They are not healthy. They do not have the fat. They do not graze as well as the others. They are slender, skinny. You can see the skeletal uh, structure of these cows. And they stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and lean-fleshed kind did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kind. So Pharaoh awoke. This is verse number four. So what happens is the skinny, the skeleton-structured cows have eaten the fat cows, but are still just as skinny and just as sickly as they were before. They are not fat cows, even after they have eaten the fat cows. And so now Pharaoh wakes up and he then falls back to sleep, goes back to sleep. Verse number five says, and he slept and dreamed the second time. So he's gone back to sleep and he's dreaming again. And behold, seven ears of corn came up upon one stalk, rank and good. Behold, seven thin ears and blasts with the east wind sprung up after them. So you've got seven ears of corn that are healthy. They are ripe. They are pleasant to the eye. They will be delicious. <laughs> However, there are seven ears of corn that follow these, and they are blasted with the east wind. And the seven thin ears, the seven diseased ears, devour the seven full ears. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. So this is not just a normal dream. You Maybe you've had them. I know I have had them in the past. You've dreamt A dream and when you wake up you think it's still that that it really happened that it was true This must have been the case with Pharaoh because the Bible says that he woke up and it was a dream So it was not that he was expecting a dream. He woke up and it's a dream. Thank God But now it comes to pass in the morning that his spirits troubled. So now this is bothering him He's got to know what is going on his spirits troubled and he sent and called for the magicians of Egypt and the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh's told them his dream. So he's sitting down with them, saying, Listen, I had this dream. Seven cows, fat and healthy, were eaten by seven skinny cows. Seven ears of corn that were full were destroyed by seven unhealthy ears of corn. So tell me the interpretation. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that could interpret unto Pharaoh. Nobody could tell Pharaoh his dream. Nobody can interpret. Why? (laughs) Because they never had dreams of their own. They never had dreams of their own. But Joseph had dreams of his own. And so he was qualified to give an interpretation because he had dreamt himself. And his dreams are very similar to the dreams of Pharaoh. There was the bowing. There was the, this is exalted and this is a base. Very similar to Pharaoh's dreams. And so it comes to pass, he's called them, he's asking them, they don't have the answer, nobody can interpret his dream, nobody can tell him what it means. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. All of a sudden, now the butler's like, oh, oh, two full years ago, Pharaoh. (laughs) I was supposed to tell you about a man that's back in the jail two full years ago. But remember, God's timing is perfect. And if Joseph would have been brought out earlier, he would not have been, very likely, would not have been where he was needed at the moment. It was God's will the butler forget for the time. And now the chief butler says to Pharaoh, I remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants and put me in ward and captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. He was disappointed with us. We were in jail and he dreamed a dream in one night i and he and so now he's telling the story what transpired with him we had a dream and we told it to the dreamer and when we told him the dream according to interpretation of the dream there was with us a young man a hebrew now he doesn't say that the hebrew was also over the jail just he was in jail servant of captain of the guard and he told him And he interpreted for us or to us our dreams. To each man, according to his dream, he did interpret. And so the dreamer gave us the interpretation for our dreams. And it came to pass as he interpreted to us, so it was. Me and he restored unto mine office, and him he hanged. And so the dreamer could now interpret the dream and tell us, and finally... Joseph is remembered to the king. He's been waiting two full years for this one opportunity. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. <laughs> two full years, and now it's a rush. Now, I've got to be honest, with my sense of humor, I would have been like, uh, what's the rush? What's the big deal? You sure weren't in a hurry two years ago. You weren't in a hurry three, five years ago. You weren't in a hurry when Potiphar first accused me, but now it's a hurry. (laughs) And so they have rushed, they're getting Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. And he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. Now, (laughs) let's get to where you and I are to the brass tacks. You and I, God has a call, He's got a plan, He's got a purpose and we may be sitting in the prison cell wondering why are we here, and the butler seems to be doing his own thing. He's not remembered us. He hasn't mentioned us to the king. He's never done us the favor that we did him. We told him what he needed to do. We have a dream, and we were hoping that our dream would be brought to fruition, but our dream just sits there and waits and kind of dies. And so Joseph sits there and waits and kind of dies. But the right moment, the right opportunity comes when Pharaoh has a dream. And it triggers something in the butler's mind. And the butler says, wait just a second. I know a man that can interpret a dream because he did it for me. And he too is a dreamer. And so they send to get word. You and I have been sitting and waiting. But the right moment may just be around the next turn. How do you know the king is not dreaming now? The king not wondering and asking, who can interpret my dream? Well, if you're going to have an interpreter of your dream, you're going to need a dreamer. You're going to need a dreamer that may be in a prison cell, may be falsely accused of doing things he did not do. He may have even had evidence against him that said otherwise and said that he was guilty. But you nonetheless need a dreamer. You need somebody that can interpret the dream. And so we sit in prison and we wait and we wonder. But Joseph, the king is dreaming. And if the king is dreaming, just give him a little while. He's going to wake up and he's going to call for his magicians and they're not going to be able to answer. His, his men of God, quote unquote, won't be able to answer. He's going to need you and your relationship with God because after all, interpretations belong to the Lord. And so he's going to call for you, and now your day has finally come and is approaching, and God's going to use you for what your purpose was for all along, even while you're sitting in the jail cell. Thank you so much for listening. I have run out of time. We will talk to you later.